This time on Holy Ghost Notes. My stomach hurts. I can't breathe. The innermost parts of me were screaming. All of this audio will never see the light of day. You set me up. (laughs) Hello, and thanks for listening to the Holy Ghost Notes. My name is Matt. I'm here with my co-host, Tim Anderson. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, hey. How are you? It's very it's very good to be back in the driver's seat. I am about to leave for tour, and yeah. I was just thinking, man, I have to set all of this stuff up in the back of the bus <laughs> very soon, <laughs> yeah. and I'll be recording three episodes from tour. So <laughs> yeah. a, a little bit about how this works. Um, if it's your first time listening to this podcast, Tim and I do not record in person together, which would be very, very nice. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not able to do that because we live over two hours away from each other. So I have a home studio and Tim is a home studio, which is really, um, we're really fortunate to have yeah. that even. I mean, nice, sure. you know, nice mics and a nice mm-hmm. recording setup. Um, most of which isn't thanks to our inner circle for funding this and helping us mm-hmm. to continue operating at this level for so That's long. Right. That's right. But when I go on tour, I don't have the luxury of this home studio. So I take this SM7 and uh, everything that goes along with it, and I set up in the back lounge of the bus <laughs> and find some time in the day that is semi-quiet um, on the mm-hmm. bus and record. And yeah. it's it's not the easiest thing in the world. There's usually a million and one bugs to work through. Like, I can't yeah. figure out how to get this thing working. Whereas here, it's pretty much plug and play, yep. usually plug and play. So I was thinking I'll be recording the episode for February 10th, 25th, and March 10th while on the Kill Switch Engage tour. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is my last time recording at home before that. Crazy. So, yeah, yeah I, I guess we shouldn't take it for granted. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, is, it is crazy. I, I noticed more, like, like the other day... Um, I wasn't even doing it. I was just thinking about having to pack my drums up and set them up somewhere else. <laughs> and that <laughs> stressed me out, like, <laughs> just because I'm so used to just coming in, sitting down, hitting record, yeah. and leaving. I know. Don't have to set it up, don't have to tear it down. And uh, that is a luxury that a lot of people do not have. So Yeah, I know. It's really nice that we get to be able to just walk downstairs in our houses and practice drums, Mm -hmm. not bother the neighbors, not really bother our families. Um, We're really, really fortunate for that. I was just texting my fiance the other day. Um, It was probably around 1030 at night. And I was like, babe, I'm practicing my my whole double bass routine right now. It takes about 35 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, it's it's after 1030 at night on a weeknight. I was like, (laughs) I am so lucky that I get to do this. And my neighbor's... Um, don't they don't really hear it and they certainly don't care. Yeah. And she's like, man, it's it's wild to think that in your neighborhood where there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people in their 50s and 60s and some even in their 70s mm-hmm. are sleeping while this is happening in this house <laughs> while I'm working on double <laughs> right. bass at 180 beats per minute. Yeah, <laughs> they, right. They they have no clue, you know, they're it's just fi- asleep. Wild. Trying to get some rest before the next workday. Mm-hmm. Um. And then on the other hand, you know, a lot of my neighbors are up at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I typically don't wake up that early unless there's a good reason that the 
farm, which is very rare, but uh, unless there's a good reason to do so. It's not like we have right. a dairy farm. I don't have to be up super early. So I was thinking about, you know, how how they're probably thinking to themselves, well, Matt's probably still sleeping. And look at how much I've gotten done in two hours that he's been right. asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of both yeah, sides of the same coin. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we talked about in pre-roll, which is that you and I are both really busy. Yeah. And I wanted I wanted mm-hmm. to speak to those that are listening that are in that same spot, same position, and and just to know that um, a lot of people are busy, and for whatever reason, that gives me comfort to know that I'm not the only one that has a lot going on between planning a wedding and getting ready for tour and writing a new record and getting ready to farm. Um, it's nice to know that a lot of other people are are just as busy and still able to make time for things that are important. Like mm-hmm. for us, this podcast is really yep. important. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, how are we going to get all this done? Like <laughs> we have to record a podcast this week. I mean, Tim, your kid's sick and you have all this <laughs> extra work and, um, and yet it always happens. Yeah. And so I, I just want to speak to those that are maybe feeling overwhelmed and feel like they just cannot get ahead. Um, and maybe give you a little bit of, hopefully give you a little bit of perspective that I feel like I've gotten just by talking to people that are busy and, and knowing that um, you're not the only one, first of all, that yeah. is really busy and that you can still get to the things that are important. You just have to maybe wake up earlier, go mm-hmm. to bed later, or say no to things that are slightly less important. Right. Not that they aren't important. They just can wait. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I have a hard time waiting to do things that are a lot of times easier to do than the thing that I should be doing or waiting to do things that um, I want to get done before the thing that I should be doing. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I just have this tendency to like knock all these things off and then I can do that thing. Right. Dude, and I, I think it's I just am a, a pro it's a good procrastinator. Way to, <laughs> the, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Procrastination, I guess, is is what the the overarching theme would be. Yeah. Um, I guess procrastination would imply that you're doing stuff. You're not, you're just not doing the most important thing or the thing that needs done. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, um, I just wanted to put that out there up front because I felt like it was something that I'm working on myself, uh, in that area. And I haven't really noticed it all that much until, I don't know, the past year or so, Hmm. or maybe less than that. Yeah. Well, one thing I can say, and you would probably agree with this, is it's a much easier um, to do things like this and make these things important when you have some type of support system behind you. You know, like um, if if some of the people who um, I wouldn't say put pressure on you, but add to the pressure of needing to get these things done. Like for, in my in my case, you know, I have a family. I got to take care of and things that have to be done around the house. And if those people, my kids and my wife were saying, you cannot do this podcast because there's all of these other things that have to be done. You take care of that stuff first and then do your podcast. Like if that was the case, then this podcast probably wouldn't get done, but I have the support. My wife is like, no, you you need to do it. Like, you know, schedule it, get it done. We'll figure it out. Um, do this stuff after. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like if I didn't have that, 
Yeah. There, you know, there you go. So so I think it's important, too. It would be just too. me recording this podcast. It would be Matt going solo. Uh, it probably um, wouldn't even be me. It would just be done. No right. more. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's tough. And, and um, so... So we are definitely fortunate to have the the setup that we have. It makes it much easier uh, to do this. Um, you know, despite the distance to the the technology that is now now available, uh, we can rely on. Um, I mean, I remember the first few episodes. I think we were using Skype, and that was pretty brutal to have like a like a real deep conversation when you didn't hear what the person's sentence sounded like <laughs> until two seconds yeah. or three seconds after they, you know, started. <laughs> um, so it's tough to have a conversation. Um, but now with Zoom and, like, the technology that's advanced uh, on the Internet side of things, and, and we're just we're very fortunate to be able to do this. And, and for me, it definitely comes down to the support system and, and you know, um, the people encouraging us to uh, mm-hmm. keep this a priority. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think also it speaks to the fact that if if you as a listener doing something, uh, let's say it's a hobby of yours, and you're thinking, man, if I can just get the right equipment, or if I can just get the right connection, or if I can just get in front of the right people, um, then it's going to work out for me. It's really going to take off. And um, I think... The, the problem with that is that when you are in that position where you're in front of the right person or you have met the right people or you have the right connection, um, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Because what you have to say is, is what's important. Um, and you can, you can still say that thing with much less, um, you know, much less resources around you. You can right. still say that thing with, with worse quality equipment. Yep. Like in the beginning, like you said, we had very little to go off of, and we still had really good conversations, and people still listened. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you people tend to overlook some of those those deficiencies and look at what's valuable in it, which is what is the person actually saying. Right. So yeah, we've gotten nicer equipment, we've gotten a more streamlined process of recording, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that it's made the podcast significantly better. I would say what what's made the podcast better is our experience mm-hmm. um, of having a conversation that includes other people and includes yeah. different thought processes and different you know philosophies and theologies, which is once again what we have to say. So mm-hmm. it's, it has a lot less to do with the equipment that we have. Right, that's true. So um, yeah, I, I think it's just it's kind of kind of a kind of a dichotomy. It's like we want to continue getting better as a podcast. We want to make time for this. Life keeps getting busier and busier, <laughs> and we want to keep having good things to say. So, how right. do you blend all of those together? Yeah, I um, I think that at least in our case, for our podcast, uh, just living life really helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like most of the things that I draw from for our conversations are just like, in, in a lot of cases, things that happened this month or last month or a, or a couple weeks ago like For you know sure. it's like i'm pulling i'm learning new things so often and um having conversations with people and just beginning to understand life in a new way and so so literally just living <laughs> and of course drums being our another primary topic just playing drums or not playing drums yeah. even uh helps me learn a lot more about the craft of drumming. And For so, sure. uh, 
yeah, it's it's funny how there's there's specific things that that add to the podcast quality as a whole, better mics, like you said, you know, state of the art sound equipment, um, studios, what have you. But at the end of the day, the it's it's really the quality of the content and the conversation, and and we wouldn't be able to to do these things or have these things if it wasn't for our life experiences and for like our friendship and how our friendship has grown and how we're able to converse with each other openly. Um, you know, those mm-hmm. are the things that really add to the actual quality of of the content. Yeah. Right. So. I want to get to the drum topic here in a second, but what you're talking about reminds me of a conversation I had recently with a buddy of mine. He called me up to congratulate me on my on my recent engagement. And um, we were talking and I, I said, so are you dating anyone? Are you seeing anybody? Are you talking to anybody? And he's involved with YWAM. Have you heard of YWAM? Yeah, yeah. My sister was yeah. uh, with them for a while. Okay, okay. Nice. I don't think I knew that. Um, so... It's a really great organization, and and it it seems to be pivotal in um, teenagers and young adults' lives if they are integrated into it. For the most part, it seems like a pretty overwhelmingly positive experience. Hmm. Uh, But the the conversation I had with my friend was, um, you know, about who he's dating or not dating. Well, he was talking about how he feels like he's just searching and prying and scratching and, and, and... trying to trying to get into this door of a relationship you know behind the door is the girl you know and he's just mm-hmm. like trying to do everything he can just to find her in full pursuit of it and he was asking me for advice uh, now that I'm engaged and I've had obviously a pretty um, tumultuous journey up until this yeah. point of, of finding someone that uh, that really helps to create a solid relationship. And, um, and I said, well, I just had this idea as I was talking to him. I said, what do you think about, about this idea of people searching for something and thinking that if they can just get that thing, they can just get to it, then they'll be complete. And mm-hmm. I said, what do you think about just put yourself in that position? Say you achieve what you've been looking for, you've been searching for, you find the girl. You get to her and your, your whole experience has been you being in full pursuit of this relationship (laughs) and you finally get to that relationship. Now you have it. You're holding your hand. You guys are a couple. What do you have to offer her? Hmm. Because if all you've ever done is pursue her and overlook mostly everything else in your life and not really take anything in, pursue hobbies, achieve things, set goals, then you are just a product of what you've had your heart set on yeah, for years, you know, as it turns out. Mm-hmm. And that is just to be able to find you, to be with you, to mm-hmm. be in a relationship with you. And I said, the problem with that is now that you found her, um, what you have to offer her might, might not be what's needed to keep her. Yeah. To, to stay with her. I said, so my best advice is, and this is for anyone that's single and really struggles with this, which I, I can totally empathize with. It's it's hard to be single in a world where social media tells you that you, well, everything really tells you that you just need to find love, find mm-hmm. someone that loves you, find someone that cares about you. Um, it's it's hard to live there and, and be content a lot of the times. And I think the best that I can do based on my own experience is if you love a certain hobby, 
pursue it. Give it everything you've got. If you've always dreamed of starting a business, start it. Especially if you're young, take risk. Mm-hmm. Like build your life in and of itself. Enjoy life. And interestingly enough, because you're not searching solely for a soulmate or a partner, um, because you're doing all these other things with your life, you'll probably be more integrated into different circles, right? into broader circles of community. And, and there will be those that notice you. And you'll have opportunities that you would have never had otherwise if you were just in pursuit of a girl or you know, a guy, I'm not just speaking one way here. It's just, I was talking to my friend. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I just felt like it was kind of a nice life lesson for me in a way, just verbally processing it with him. Yeah. Uh, and just a good reminder. And, um, so if that is you, if you're in a position right now where you're like, I am just so not content being single and I just cannot find someone, I cannot find a partner. My best advice would be Live your life, enjoy your life, work hard, accomplish what you set out to accomplish, and you'll be so much better off in the end because when and if you do find someone to settle down with, you'll have so much to offer them. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but now that you're saying this, it just reminded me of a conversation that I had as well. And this isn't our topic for the day, but... um, but it's when, turning when into I was, it. <laughs> when, I was, yeah, when I was engaged, I had a similar conversation with somebody, and um, you know they were just asking me a lot of a lot of the same questions that your friend was asking you, and and um, you know I, I personally think that like sometimes, and and this is maybe more hypothetical than than um, reality, but sometimes if you're so intent on finding that person it's actually harder to, to, to find them, you know, because yep. you actually look past the people that are right in front of you <laughs> yep. um, because you're 100%. looking for something so specific. And like, I remember this specific friend, I'm not going to name names. He had a long, long list of qualifications for this person. Yeah. And I oh, actually said to him, list. I was like, bro, what makes you think that you're good enough for this person? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what qualifications do you have that they're looking yeah. for? Like, um, there you go. And I, and That's I think like you got to look for someone who a makes you happy, but B makes you a better person, mm-hmm. but there's nothing stopping you right now before that person comes into your life. Um, there's nothing stopping you from being the best you can be and trying to better yourself for that eventual person. It's not, bad to look for somebody it's not bad to you know be single the rest of your life either (laughs) but like if you're so intent on finding this specific person chances are you're not going to uh you know it reminds me of that phrase like a washed pot never boils it's like it's like if you are so if you're looking so hard for this person chances are you're missing out on on that person or the person that's that's actually right for you as if you know what's best for you which we rarely ever do (laughs) that is very true (laughs) That is very true. And yeah. that leads us right into seamlessly our drum seamlessly, topic for the yeah. day. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, so before Which is we- about <laughs> recording. <laughs> recording. It all comes together. It's yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this topic um, is gonna be similar <laughs> to uh, to our recording drums topic that we've had in the past. Um, but um, Greg Heine reached out to us, uh, and he was wondering. Oh, he he basically said uh, that he has a similar setup as Matt does. <laughs> Matt's laugh. <laughs> you can't laugh. It's gonna make me laugh. Uh, Matt has a similar setup 
uh, to Greg um, in that it's an open basement. Um, <laughs> dude, you're killing me, man. <laughs> you're killing That's me. not how you say his name. That's not. <laughs> oh, gosh. You set me up. <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, did you say, did you say Heine? I did. <laughs> you set me up, didn't you? <laughs> did you say Heine? <laughs> how's his name spelled? H-E-E-N-E-Y. <laughs> My stomach hurts. I can't breathe. <laughs> so just for some context everyone listening to us laugh for five minutes straight before we started this episode i told matt about greg's email <laughs> he assured me did you say <laughs> he assured me that the way to pronounce greg's last name was heine i said are you sure about that because i don't want to pronounce it Heine unless I'm absolutely sure that that's how you pronounce it and he 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 pressed he pressed it he so I did it and apparently I should not have done that <laughs> you said oh you know him and I said yeah he's a good friend of mine and I said it's not Heaney you have to say Heine he actually he gets, gets upset when people <laughs> say Heaney <laughs> I don't know why I believed you. The innermost parts of me were screaming not to say Heine. <laughs> Reading right. Heine Continuing clearly on. in front of More me. More than likely, all of this audio will never see the light of day, but my gosh, oh, it will. is that rewarding. Oh, it will. Oh, it will see the light of day. Oh, my stomach hurts so much. I'm sorry, Greg. <sighs> Greg Heaney, not Heine. <laughs> I'm not I'm sorry, Greg. That was very worthwhile. <laughs> uh, anyway. That clip will likely only be heard by Greg. And if it's if it's not, if it makes it into the episode, Tim, you're a brave man. Oh, it's it's gonna be in the episode. Trust me. <laughs> so Greg Heaney, my friend. <laughs> I feel like I have to send you something for free now for that. Um, but you you sent us a very nice email just asking us if we could cover our recording process. Um, now, we have talked about recording drums in the past. We've talked about our drum setup, our mic setup to an extent, um, and just overall the concept of recording drums and what goes into it. But we're going to talk uh, specifically about our process. And uh, what's cool about this is... Matt's process um, differs from mine for a number of reasons, and we'll go into that in a little bit. But um, I guess to kick it off, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your recording process? Oh, man. Okay. I'm composed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <clears throat> when I go to record drums... It is completely streamlined. Um, the process is, is fairly simple. I use Pro Tools. I have nine SE microphones, and I have a SQ5 board um, that everything runs through. I, I record drum audio, and I actually send it all out to our front of house 
audio engineer, Chris Pollock, who takes the drum mix and um, mixes it and oftentimes will do some editing. Um, the, the extent of the quantizing, I'm not totally sure, but I usually like him to clean up my feet and quantize some stuff so it's super tight. Um, but I think that he has a good balance of keeping the the playthroughs, if that's what they are, sound played. Like it doesn't sound, you know, overly robotic. Um, in which case, I think most times he's just tightening up the feet and mm-hmm. he leaves everything else as is. I record everything to a click track, which I monitor in Pro Tools. Um, <clears throat> when I'm teaching, I use this Shure SM7 uh, microphone with a foot switch and I, c- I can actually communicate with the student flip the switch and then go to plane and then come back yeah that's awesome um, so I actually I don't use the Mac for that I just use the SQ5 and then this mic and the whole drum mic setup mm-hmm. um, as far as how I got <laughs> here I I had some time off because of COVID and I've always wanted a home studio so I, I had a couple thousand dollars to put towards this, and I did all of the work myself with the exception of the electrical stuff for the Edison lights. And um, <clears throat> the other thing I needed help with was all the audio stuff. So Chris came over, I think it was just one day, and he helped me mic everything up and measure how far overhead should be from the snare, um, helped route everything through the SQ5 and set up presets for me, and then helped me set up a session in... Pro Tools. The cool thing is he set up my Pro Tools in a way where when I record a podcast like this, it's its own template. Mm-hmm. So you know how in Pro Tools you can do file, create new, and then you can build off of a yeah, yep. Yep. a template. Um, I have a podcast template. Yeah. And so I didn't I didn't have to do anything with the IOs or any... or I don't have to really do anything besides just make sure I have the right preset. Right. And I can save a new file and it opens up one audio track and it's already it's already ready to go. And then I also have a track for drum playthroughs. And I have another track um, which includes this microphone as well and any audio that's going in. So there's mm-hmm. like three different presets. On the board itself, I have two presets. One is if I'm recording, um, if I want to monitor through my MacBook Pro, like the... the um, say for like a zoom lesson you know i want to record the audio from this as well as the drum audio i can do that Mm -hmm. or if i'm doing a drum playthrough it's the second preset yeah so everything is like as streamlined as possible because my interest doesn't i'm not as interested in the audio side of recording it's it's a little overwhelming to me i can operate pro tools on a very surface level i can't really edit or mix um that's not my forte what i want to do is spend my time playing drums Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to get caught up in a whole lot of other things, and that's if why you are the drummer that you are. <laughs> if, if you've recorded, if you've recorded drum playthroughs or anything like that, you know how much work it is yeah. to do everything comprehensively, like you, Tim. Mm-hmm. It's a lot um, of work. But there's already a lot in and of itself, even if you don't have to touch that stuff. Mm-hmm. For example, video. I do some of the video editing. And um, just, you know, recording the audio, making sure that the drums sound good, making sure the video angles are right, make sure that everything works. So my goal was just to streamline it so I could just come down here and without a whole lot of work, be able to record everything. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what I'm using um, for my studio, I'll just start with the actual studio itself. So I spent 
probably about $1,000 at Lowe's, and I bought all of these. They're probably three inch wide by, there's like three or four different lengths, but it's basically like skid pallets, like the mm-hmm. boards that are used in pallets, and you can buy them in a pack. Because I have concrete walls in my basement, or cinder block walls, I had to put furrows up. And a furrow strip is just, it just gives you the ability to mount wood or whatever you would like to, to wood instead of having to go into the cinder block every time. So it gives you basically like a frame to work off of. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, I spent about $1,000 there. I used a couple barn boards from my barn. I built these shadow boxes, which I got the idea from Mike Johnson from mikeslessons.com. Shout out to Mike for being awesome and, and approving that. Uh, and then I put my favorite symbols inside of the shadow boxes. I put three Edison lights up, painted the floor a high gloss paint so that it's reflective, and uh, figured out a place to mount three GoPros. So mm-hmm. I have a slider to my left, I have a GoPro above me, and I have a, um, a GoPro on my feet. Mm-hmm. So I can just plug and play. It's awesome. Set it all into place and go. As far as the microphones, I have the SM7. I have all SE mics. Uh, I have two overheads, snare top, snare bottom, two rack, one floor, hi-hat. Um, and then I recently got a monitor, which you can kind of see behind me if you're watching the video, uh, which which allows me to actually follow along with what I'm playing if I'm playing in Tabit, which is a MIDI program that I write to. Um, if I'm working on video editing, it's nice to have a uh, you know a larger screen to work off of. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much the extent of it. Nice. Um, so I, if you if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to speak into a little bit, being that Chris Pollock is not sitting here with us to talk about yes. it, I'll probably talk a little bit about what he does for you. But um, uh, when you're sitting down to play, do you do any um, any checks, any mic checks, things like that? Yes. Can yes. you talk a little bit about that real quick? Yep. So the first thing I do when I sit down is I hit each drum individually, and then I just tap the overhead mics with my sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Once I know everything's working, by the way, prior to this, I would have changed heads and tuned. I use the TuneBot, which is a really helpful device. It's like less than 100 bucks, and you can tune to a frequency instead of tuning to the tension of each. There you go. Tim has there it in is. frame. You got to get the TuneBot. Get the TuneBot if you're looking to tune. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and once I have everything set up, I then check all the mics. I record a little sample of what I'm going to be doing to make sure that I'm getting all the audio. Next thing I'll do is set up the tempo map for what I'm recording to. So on my playthrough website, I have the actual speed of the song, and then I have 88% and 75%. And I figured out over the course of time that I can actually do elastic audio so I can pull in the audio from ABR without drums and vocals, and I can actually stretch it out, mm. yeah, so that it, so that it goes along with or aligns itself with the speed that I'm playing drums at, which is really helpful. Prior to that, it was just drums at the speeds, with the right. exception of full speed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do it, and eventually I figured it out, and it produces a nice product. Um, as far as the tempo map, it's it's a fairly easy process as as long as you have the original tempo map in your Pro Tools, so, mm-hmm. or in your, yeah, in your doll, you know, whatever it might be. So if I have the tempo map there and all the tempo changes, I can actually drag the tempo down and do a mathematical equation for 
what it should be to get it to 88% or 75%. Right. So if the tempo's, uh, you know, 100 BPM, I'm going to pull that down to 88 BPM and I know I'm at 88% and everything else will follow. Yeah. Pulls it down all at once. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, um, and then once I'm ready to go, I, I start all my cameras. That's the real stressful part because I'm like, <laughs> all right, here we go. I hope all the cameras work. <laughs> I've had some GoPros fail on me where for whatever reason, they don't record to the SIM card or the batteries just die too yeah. fast. And you, you, you start video, I usually clap or I hit my snare drum and I do a playthrough of the entire song. What I've learned is it's better to stop the cameras after every take than just let it roll. Because with GoPros, because video files are so big, it will actually create new files and it's hard to know where you started and stopped. Mm-hmm. So I like to just start and stop manually after every take. Same thing in Pro Tools. And then I'll label each one, take one, take two, take three, take four. Mm-hmm. I'll take the best take. I'll export the audio, send it to Chris. He then mixes it and I put it to video. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm going to speak into something a little bit because um, um, Greg Heaney <laughs> specifically <laughs> uh, was was impressed with the sound that you're getting despite being in an open room. Um, so one thing I will say is I actually prefer drums recorded in an open room. Um, I mean, treated rooms typically, <laughs> but most uh, yeah. most major studios where a lot of the you know, highest grossing albums were recorded. Those drums were recorded in big, open, treated rooms. Um, so room sound is not a bad thing in most cases as long as the acoustics are right. So you just don't want that, like, clappy reverb coming through. And so right. um, so that's usually something that um, can be fixed simply by treating certain spots of your room or by positioning the drums in the right spot. Um, right. So um, that just a real quick side note on that. But the other thing that and Matt also said, sorry, and also Tim, for the sake of of isolating the the, uh, the sound of the noise. So in mm-hmm. my case, I don't really have to worry about neighbors. That's right. That's right. Yep. Which is yeah. So like which in is my why case, my studio looks the way it does. My room is completely dead. There is no. There's not a, 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 a there's no reverb whatsoever in this room, um, which is partly why it's it's actually treated like a vocal booth should be, which right. is why the podcast on my end sounds really good. It's I don't have to really mix right. my, my voice at all um, because I'm in this room. Um, but uh, with drums, I actually end up adding reverb in the mix because it's too dead. Um, so this is actually not the ideal space. This is simply treated this way. For soundproofing purposes, like you said, because I am, mm-hmm. you know, in between two neighbors in a townhouse strip. Um, but one thing Matt said that I, I just want to point out um, in the process is that he changes his heads and tunes before he records these drum playthroughs. Um, it is very hard. If you have a really good sounding drum set, it's very hard to make it sound bad. I just want to say mm-hmm. that right now. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you are. I mean, I guess if you have serious reverb issues, then yeah, you'll run into some some problems. But in Matt's case, um, he has all of his drums close mic'd, mm-hmm. and those mics are also pre-EQ'd. I think the SE series is pre-EQ'd, so mm-hmm. there are they're only picking up a specific frequency set um, specific to those drums. So there's mm-hmm. very little. Uh, there's some bleed, but there's very little bleed um, from the room coming through on those close mics. Um, you're really only getting the room sound from the overheads, and um, if 
I, I, I'm guessing the way that Chris would mix Matt's drums in this case would be uh, rely on the close mics and try to drive attack and then use the overheads to mix in the cymbals primarily and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of room noise. But often what the case is um, when you're recording in a big studio is they'll actually have a mic across the room in front of the kit and they'll mix that room audio in as needed. And that's actually what's picking up a lot of that room sound. Um, so so Matt's kit is going to sound almost as good as a pro studio. You will notice a difference, especially if you were listening to it soloed, next, mm-hmm. right up next to you know, a, a really nice studio with, you know, thousand dollar microphones and stuff. But, um, in most cases, um, it's, it's tough to make a drum set sound bad if it's tuned, <laughs> if mm-hmm. the, the mics are positioned, uh, correctly. Um, if it's played well, if it's played well, that's another, that's another yeah. thing. I think, um, so my approach and Matt's approach as well is, is to really play with attack. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you want that, that hit to be clear, you know, you want Mm -hmm. that clarity out of your drums. Um, you want that tone. Um, that's not the case for everyone's style of playing, but, um, I think that is a contributing factor to why Matt's drums sound as good as they do in the space that he's playing in. Um, Mm -hmm. and then additionally, um, I am guessing that Chris, uh, likely mixes in a, uh, a kick sample and, uh, and a snare sample. Uh, to further add to that clarity, because um, especially for Matt's style, the the kick and the snare are really what you want to have pop there. So he probably mm-hmm. blends uh, a sample over top. Um, so yeah, um, so I'm not going to spend too much time um, talking about my process because it's it's actually very similar to Matt's. Yeah. Um, just the the setting is is different. Um, so my room is, is like I said, fully treated. Um, I get about 80% dB reduction inside to outside of the room, um, which is not wow. enough, unfortunately, for me to play when my kids are asleep. But it is enough for me not to disturb anybody. Um, so that's that was my intent. Um, it does. It is totally dead in here, like I said, and I do add reverb in, in the mix. But all of my can drums your, are... Sorry? Can your neighbors hear you play? I have not I so I was pretty friendly with one of my neighbors to to one side of me and I would ask him on occasion like if he could hear me and he said he could never hear me. Um oh my gosh, I usually play amazing. during the day though so it's not like there's a okay. chance that it, you might have heard something but um in my case like I am in my basement um and even just from inside the room to outside the room, it's 80% reduction. So I can't imagine how much more reduction you're getting between, you know, um, cinder blocks. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like I am literally in a, you know, uh, I'm in a basement. Bunker. So. Yep, yep. Um, huh. So uh, so this room was built for, for sound reduction, not for sound quality. Um, this is exactly how a vocal booth would be built not really how a drum studio would be built typically. Um, but the nice thing is that in post, I'm able to manipulate, especially with, mm-hmm. with audio technology nowadays, you know, you get yourself some nice plugins. I use the, um, IK multimedia, um, studio suite, um, plugins. And so they have, um, it's called T-Rex, which is their, uh, you know, they have a lot of just basic, um, plugins that everyone will need, including yeah. uh, reverb, and and so that reverb is 
great. I mean, it sounds natural. There's some other ways that you can do reverb, um, but it's usually just easiest for me just to throw some reverb right on top. And it just, mm. I, I don't even put it actually, I don't put any reverb on the, uh, the close mics. I put some on the overheads because that's, mm. that's usually where it would be picked up anyway. Um, so as far as my setup goes, um, I don't change out heads and tune before. <laughs> well, I do tune. <laughs> I don't change out heads before every single session. I usually do a quick tune up. Um, again, TuneBot is your friend. <laughs> we are not sponsored by them. <laughs> it's just a good product. Um, and then so I have a lot of the standard mics that you would see in a studio, and they're actually not that expensive. I've got um, uh, Sennheiser MD421 on my uh, nice. floor tom, which is probably the best tom mic I can think of. I like um, that mic. Yeah. Then the Shure SM57 on my snare, which, again, is going to be most uh, engineers' favorite like go-to microphone for uh, for a snare drum, and then I have a I have a 57 actually I did so I found out this um this cool technique um I don't want to get too much into the like the drum miking stuff here but um a guy I recorded with uh, Paul Moak a long time ago uh, he has his own studio and and does a lot of producing now and and he um he mentioned this this miking technique for for toms. And so I decided to try it, and it's really awesome, actually. So it's it's um it's an Electro Voice RE11, which is like a vintage style mm-hmm. microphone. I have that on the batter of my high tom, and then I have an SM57 on the rezo on the bottom, and it's not it's not two separate mic lines going into two separate channels. I actually have a Y cable, like a oh, splitter wow. cable, yeah, and um. So, so you know, one side's in the RE11, the other side's in an SM57, and then that just goes into one channel in the wow. uh, in in my uh, interface. And dude, it, the sound is so full; it's like hmm. it just sounds really good. So this is like apparently like a legendary miking technique to use two microphones and basically blend the sound uh, hmm. that you're capturing because um, I'm I'm getting the attack and I'm getting the resonance. Right, all at once in one channel. Um, so that's how how I have um, have it set up. I have an AKG um, on the uh, kick drum, which is you know just again industry standard um, kick mic. I sometimes I'll switch to the Beta Fifty Two. Um, I'm not actually sure which one I like better, um, but uh, I have the AKG on it right now. And then for overheads, um, I have a pair of Octava pencils. Um, I think they're like the O111s or something like that. I forget exactly mm. the model number, but um, again, vintage kind of style microphone. Um, probably would not use this exact mic setup for Matt, <laughs> but <laughs> but it works pretty well for me. And um, yeah, the sound is all dead. Um, so you know, from there, it's just I have a I have a templated mix in Pro Tools. Um, I'll have compression on every single piece of the kit except for the overheads and then the overheads are pretty much just you know eq'd and then some reverb and mm-hmm. uh and that's actually kind of how i would mix I, that's how i want to mix it for straight drum audio you don't need yeah. a lot of um you don't need to go crazy if you're not mixing with music to be honest right. like a lot of the times if you're mixing drums to music that's when you need to start adding other, you know, EQ jobs on everything. And um, but if I'm just like posting to Instagram, 
half the time people are listening on their phones or <laughs> something anyway. And I just really need the drums to be clear and crisp and yeah. um, pronounced. So um, so that's that's my process. Um, before I start recording, I'll just do a quick, like, like Matt said, a quick mic check. I want that... Um, I want that level to be like kind of like hitting the yellow. Um, and I want to say this actually because um, it's probably important. As far as my process goes, it really depends on the song or part that I'm playing because I'm mm-hmm. going to adjust my inputs um, based on how hard I'm going to hit, which always changes based on the song I'm playing. Um, yep. At least in my case. It, sometimes it varies like by like an entire notch <laughs> on the input level. <laughs> um, but I'm always trying to hit, you know, I want every single tom and and my overheads and, and my kick to all be hitting like that, um, that yellow uh, spot on my input level. Um, so uh, for a while there, I was um, recording into an M-Audio interface. Um, I forget, it's the... The 2626, you can no longer buy these anymore, um, but it was an 8-channel interface, and I recently switched over to uh, the Focusrite uh, Scarlett 20i, or 18i20, oh, nice. um, which is another 8-channel um, interface. I needed it just because I needed um, a, like a straight USB uh, instead of Firewire um, hookup, but it's a great, it's a great interface. Um, I really like Focusrite a lot. I really like M-Audio a lot, too, but... Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, works works pretty well for me. So yeah, that's that's my process. I, I I'm pretty like just you know sit and hit record at this point, you know. But um, yeah, a little bit of tuning, you know, check your levels, uh, play through your part, you know, even if it's just like 15, 20 seconds, just to to make sure everything records right, that all the mics are working. Always check with headphones to make sure you don't have any buzzing cables too. That's happened yeah. to me so many times where I'll get a really great take and then I'll listen to it back after it's mixed and be like, wait a second. My, <laughs> my high Tom is buzzing the whole time. What's going on here? Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, do some checks, um, prior to, uh, to recording and, and that's pretty much it. Just make sure your drums yeah. sound good. Um, if you have mics on them, they'll, they'll pick up good sounding drums. So. Yeah. It's crazy as you're talking, I'm, I'm realizing how lucky we are. Yeah. To be able to record drums at, at the capacity that we are in our basements. Right. And yeah. if you're listening to this and, and you have, you know, maybe you're not in your basement, maybe you have a storage locker, or maybe you have a practice space. Just the fact that you can spend a thousand dollars on, on mics and a home studio setup and be able to record yourself. You don't have to go back all that far, um, all that long ago to find a time when you couldn't do that. And you'd be right. paying, I don't know, 500 to two grand a day for a studio just so that you could do that. Right. Man, it's yeah. so awesome that we it's crazy, are able to right? do all this. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild, dude. Um, I mean, even just, I mean, I, we've, so since high school, I've been recording myself, you know, in various right. different bands. It's always been learning Pro Tools and doing it from home, but just the um, the capabilities now compared to then like the the idea of a digital recording studio was wild then and yeah. now it's kind of just like standard you can literally download a, a you know a DAW for free yeah <laughs> sometimes it comes installed on your computer when you buy it um, <laughs> but but just like with the interfaces like the quality of the um, 
the interfaces that are coming out now and the plugins, the the plugin advancement alone mm-hmm. is just insane. Um, I mean, I remember the first time like I started messing with like Drumagog and like Slate Trigger for like drum samples. Like it does all the work for you. Like you just mm-hmm. like set like your level for your snare. Yeah. And it automatically gates it and blends a sample over top of it. And you just, like, choose what drum sample you want over it. You can mix it a little <laughs> bit if you want to, but in most cases it's going to have that snap right off the bat. And, um, dude, it's just it, the the where audio has come is, is insane. I, I have this other – I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I, I bought this other um, software suite by Isotope. Um, it's called RX. Um mm-hmm. And I think they're up to version 11. I have RX7. Um, but you can actually remove reverb. It's like, so like you're drying a wet wow. piece of audio. Yeah. <laughs> like I can add reverb, no problem. That's that's easy. Yeah. But drying sure. it, like, like pulling out that reverb, crazy, insane. <laughs> um, and like I can do like auto, like for this... You know, sometimes you'll have that hum in the back of the bus. I can run like a diagnostic on that audio. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll um, uh, automatically figure out what that hum is and just remove it from the audio hmm. for the entire wow. track without me really lifting a finger. So yeah, I mean, just the capabilities have um, have really increased, and and uh, I think what I love about it, a lot of people would say like oh it's not it's not analog like let's go back to tape let's go back to that warm like it's yeah. not real you're not really recording if you're doing this digitally you know but in my yeah. opinion i think it just it like there's no limits now like yeah. the creativity has no limits you don't have to follow a set standard of this is how you do it it's mm-hmm. like now you can just mess around with it and it takes no time at all and if it doesn't work you didn't lose, you know, hundreds yeah. of dollars in in tape, or yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't right. burn out your uh, your tubes, you know, like <laughs> right. you're, you're running on a little computer that sits in the corner, and right. uh, that's it. You know, it's crazy. Did wow. I tell you I re-recorded the drum sampler? No, 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 you didn't. You, so, did, you so went I've back and re- plug-in. did all the all the yeah. variations. Yep. Jeez. All the articulations. We so Carson and Grant just moved into this new studio, and uh, it sounds incredible. The drum room is amazing. Yeah. So we decided, you know what, <laughs> we've <laughs> we've done this four times in in four different studios. Let's do it a fifth. Man. And um, it sounds so awesome. I cannot wait for you to hear this thing. That's crazy. Cannot wait for you to hear this thing. It's it's going to be out this year at some point through uh through Drum Forge, and um. Our our wait. benchmark is we're looking at get good drums, because everybody's using get good drums and they mm-hmm. s- they sound phenomenal. Yeah. So we're really trying to put ourselves up there in the same game and and I'm fully confident we've done it with this one. That's I think awesome. we were close with the last iteration and and this time, uh, having having gained the experience we did about uh, how to record the right way, whether it's mm-hmm. me tracking and knowing all the different you know velocities and articulations and just how to do it. Like I brought in this mirror behind me so that I could see how high my stick is coming each or each time. Mm-hmm. Like just like little things like that, that you learn. And, um, I'm, I'm so stoked on it. So awesome, to man. this, 
to this same point we're talking about, you know, I'm going to have a plug-in some point this year that you're going to be able to buy and and integrate into your, you know, your recording. Right. That's sick. I, I can't wait to mess with that. Is that um Yeah. So are you so you're not using any of the samples that you recorded prior in any of the no. past sessions? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, we have I think we have it's either 10 or 13 hours of audio from this session, just Man. the audio. That doesn't include all the other, you know, tuning, wow. changing heads, setting yeah. up. Wild. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. That's that's exciting stuff. I've yeah. never... So are you going to be using these samples, like, on uh, on your albums and, and stuff, too, since they're your... They're technically your... That's the goal. I mean, the... Samples? The goal is to have it, have it at a place where we can just throw it in and be like, this is as good as it's going to get. Like we can't find drum sounds or drum samples that sound as good as this. Mm-hmm. We have to use this, you know. Right. So I and I, I you know, like I said, I'm fully confident that we're there. That we That's finally awesome. got it. We finally captured it. And most of it really does have to do with the room. In this mm-hmm. case, we have we have several room mics, and the room just sounds amazing. There's so yeah. much so much space in there. They have it perfectly um, perfectly engineered. So there's a two second two second delay. And no more than that. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really laid out well. That's awesome uh, for for a great final product. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. Sweet. Well, I um, would love to just keep talking about this. I could probably talk about this stuff all day. I nerd out when it comes to <laughs> recording drums, <laughs> um, but uh, we're a little bit short on time today, so we're gonna squeeze in um, a faith topic. Um, mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about uh, about that? Yeah, sure. So our faith topic today is jealousy. Mm-hmm. This has been something that's been on my mind for a little while. I've I've three sisters, um, and growing up in the social media era where everyone's comparing their life to everyone else's, um, it's just become evident how destructive it um, it can be in in your life if if you allow it to be. Um, of course, we we have a certain amount of control over this. Um, we're able to get off of social media for one. Another option would be just to throttle how much you use it. Um, Mm -hmm. And another option is to be aware of the influence that it has on your life. When you look at at someone else's Instagram feed and you see just how perfect their life is or just how amazing their marriage is or just how well-behaved their kids are or just how beautiful someone else looks or just how in shape they are... um, it, it plays a part in the way that you think about and see yourself if you aren't careful. And so this led me to this idea of, of jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. Of looking at someone else's life and almost in a way coveting what they have or yeah, who they are, what they become or how they look. That's the word. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be a more biblical term, to describe this, but it's 100% applicable. And I think something right off the bat I want to say is it's, it's, it's been around forever. Yeah. Like this is not a new concept (laughs) and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And and there are those that would want to say, well, this is a brand new concept. You know, social media is something that is introducing this, this brand new idea of comparing yourself to someone else. And it's completely destructive. And it's like, I agree with, the sentiment, but I don't agree with the foundation for that argument because it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, the The Bible's clear in 
constructing this idea of coveting your neighbor, right? Or looking at someone else and saying, man, if I had what they had, then yeah. my life would be complete or then I would be happy. Um, interestingly enough, people that are wealthy rarely think they're wealthy. And the reason, according to studies, why they don't think they're wealthy is because they rarely look below their their yearly wage um, at others who are making less than mm-hmm. they are. So they're always comparing themselves to those that are as rich or richer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, in that case, you're never going to see yourself as wealthy because you're always going to be thinking, man, I can, I can accomplish more. I can mm-hmm. have more. And I think we do that same thing across the spectrum. Whether you're a drummer and you're looking online at other drummers who are more talented and skilled and proficient and successful than you are, you're never going to see yourself as, as someone who is successful at all. If you're using other metrics um, of, of people who are more successful as a way to quantify your success, you, you're never going to feel satisfied or content. That's right. Um, and, it, and this applies to every area of your life. So really, when I think of jealousy, um, I, I want to focus on this idea of being content. Yeah. Because... That would be, in my definition, a way to counter this idea of being jealousy or this yeah. this um, lost pursuit of <laughs> trying trying to have what someone else has. Yeah. As can a I, means can of I making make a motion? Happy. Can I make a motion <laughs> to switch yeah. the topic from jealousy to contentment? <laughs> because yeah. I feel like we could really go uh, hog wild with with contentment. Hundred percent. Let's do it. Hundred percent. That's right. where I wanted to land. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's okay, good. That works. That works. So, um, how to be content? I don't know, Tim. How about you answer that? Okay. So, so <laughs> as we're oh, talking, I love that you're taking me up on it. Good. <laughs> as we're talking about this, I I'm like like wondering in the back of my mind, have we talked about this before? Because I'm fairly positive that I've shared this quote, but it's a Mark Twain quote, and it's one of my favorites, and it's um. Comparison is the death of joy. Hmm. And man, what a great quote that is. Like Yeah, that is. Like you will not you will not be content. You will not be joyful if you can if you're comparing yourself to someone else. There yep. will always be someone better than you at something that that you like or there will always be someone who will have more than you. And I just want to say like regardless of uh, where you're at in life, um, I think that it is instinctive to be jealous. Like mm-hmm. I, like I love celebrating people, especially my friends. Like if they if they have wins, and or they're excited about something or something good happens to them, I am like I am such a cheerleader. That's my personality. Mm-hmm. But like the other day, I got a text from from a friend, and he was very excited because he had a great year financially. And he hit this number that was just astronomical. And the first thought to my mind wasn't like, way to go, dude. Like, that's awesome. The first thought was like, shoot, really? You're making this mm-hmm. much? Like, why can't, mm-hmm. how can't I make this much? Like, what? But that was, that was the first thought to my mind. And I caught myself because it's like, no, <laughs> automatically, I was completely disappointed in myself. And I was just like, I was jealous. I was like... Mm-hmm. I can't believe that that you made this much and did so well uh, 
But it, rather than like being excited, like, dude, way to go. That's awesome. I am so happy for you. Because it, who cares? Who cares the difference? Who cares about the comparison there? Hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. Like, if I'm comparing myself to him, all it does is, you know, make me feel inadequate. <laughs> you know? hmm. <laughs> and, and there's no reason to feel that way because it's not a competition. Like... The only time you should ever compare yourself to somebody is if you're like in a in a competition, in a race, playing a sport, and like literally it's your job to be competitive and compare your uh, your score versus their score or your time in swimming versus their time in swimming. You know, like that's right. the only time where it actually makes sense to compare yourself to anybody. Um, hmm. You should never be comparing your qualities or your personality or your financial status because, like, ultimately, what does it lead to? Like, you're, yeah. it's just you thinking in circles. Hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's and- me destroying the the destroying jealousy. We're still going to be jealous. It's still going to be instinctive. <laughs> I think to to be that way. We you know we have like a like a sinful nature. Um, and especially our culture, the way that like, and I, I part of me loves this about, uh, you know, this country, like the drive to be, uh, to be better and and um, to achieve the American dream or whatever it is. Um, I, I like that. I like that drive. Um, it's really what keeps me um, motivated. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it also uh, makes us all feel like we have to compare. Like who yeah. is closer to that American dream <laughs> and yeah. how do I, how, how do I get what they have? You know, f- it's just, it's, it's, it's fed to us since, hmm. you know, since birth. Um, hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so, so my, where I want to take this and Matt, let me know if you're okay with this. Like I want to try to figure out what are some strategies that we can use knowing this, knowing that this is instinctive, knowing that jealousy is going to happen how do we strategically refocus and uh, and achieve contentment? Mm-hmm. What's the path to contentment here? Well, for That's me what I talk personally, about. I would say what what has allowed me to be more content and to be more joy filled is to be more aware of how challenging life is. And to not be surprised when there are difficult things that happen. Mm-hmm. And in, instead of saying, oh my gosh, why are all these bad things happening to me? How do I make the bad things stop? Rather than focus on that, focus on how do I manage my life and my reaction to those things when they come. Because they will continue to come. Life is full of challenges. And I think what often hurts us is when something sets us back or we see a deficiency in our lives and we then compare our life to someone else's. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, leaves us, it leaves us with this idea of this is unfair. Mm-hmm. This is not, that person is not experiencing the same thing as I am. If you're able to take on the reality that life is full of, of, you know, of challenges and setbacks, then you're going to then say that other person is experiencing much of the same thing or things that you are. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're maybe not showcasing that for the world to see, but just remind yourself that it's happening to them just the same as it is to you. 
And it's, it's really up to you then to decide how are you going to respond to it. Write down on a piece of paper, here's what I have. I have my health. If you have your health, write down your health. Man, if you have your health, you're good. Yeah. Like you have so much to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. You have so, you can be content with the fact that life is pretty good actually. Yeah. If you don't have your health, but you have a support system and you have family and friends and you have relationships with people who love you, write that down. Mm-hmm. Man, what, what an advantage to have that. Think about everyone in your life who might not showcase it, but doesn't have that same support that you do. Uh, write down your faith. You, you have found something that you believe in. You have found a God who is in your life and cares about you and wants to be there for you. Man, can you imagine? You can face anything. Mm-hmm. And, and right there, just three things right off the bat. If you're able to write down any one of those three, you can rest in that when the difficult things come in life. And when you compare yourself to someone else, you can shut it off. You can stop that as soon as you start thinking it and say, well, wait a second, look at what I do have. And instead of looking at what other people have that you don't per se, you can say, man, look at all the people who are disadvantaged in a way that I I can't even imagine. And it Mm -hmm. turns you from this place of comparing yourself and being jealous and not being content to being a generous person who helps uh, you know, people in your life who, who don't have what you have, who are probably yeah. looking at you saying, man, if only I had what they have. Yeah. I think we can take like almost an analytical approach to this as well, because, um, I want to start seeing when, when I recognize jealousy or, or traits of jealousy in myself, I want to be able to look at that and try to figure out where is that coming from? Why am mm-hmm. I jealous? Because in, in most cases, the reason I'm jealous is because this person has something that I want. And mm-hmm. I have to, I want to take that. What, what is it that I want? Um, you know, is it, you know, more money? Why do I want more money? Um, so I can do this and this and this. Why do I want to do this, this, and this? Because it'll, it will uh, help my family. Well, why do I want to help my family? Because I love them. Um, you know, like <laughs> break it down. What, what's the what's the primary go- goal? Because I guarantee, once you get to that, the root of that, it'll yeah. probably diminish what right. you're actually jealous about. Because it's like, well, there's there are, there are other ways to achieve this end goal right. without right being jealous or wanting this thing. And, and so like, I want to approach it that way and just realize that like, if at the end of the day, like even if every single thing that I want or everything that I'm jealous about always boils down to my own joy, mm-hmm. my happiness, cause that I think is, is what many people's goals will boil down to. Why do you mm-hmm. have this goal? Because, because I want to be happy. Cause this makes me happy. Yeah. If that's, if that's the end goal, you're depriving yourself of your end goal simply by comparing <laughs> or being jealous of this thing because what it, that's doing is stealing that joy. Yeah. Um, so anytime that's you're jealous, good. think about it that way. Like, okay, the end goal here is to be happy. This is not, this is not doing that for me. So let's just put the kibosh on it right now. Right. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> because I think that, um, I mean, you're exactly right. Think, like, take a step back, find some perspective. Um, there's that famous phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. That is such a true phrase. And the reason why mm-hmm. it's stuck around for centuries is because it is so true. Um, yeah. You know, things look better until 
they're yours. And, and the right. thing that I've learned in life is that the pursuit of happiness is ongoing. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't recognize that you can actually just have happiness where you are, why right. does it have to be a pursuit? Why do we have right. to be constantly chasing happiness when it's ours for the taking? Mm-hmm. It's a like choice. Today, it's a choice. Right now. Yeah. Not tomorrow, not next week, not not next year, not with that spouse, not with that partner, not with that goal. I mean, dude, this is is exactly what you were saying at the very beginning, like with, like in regards to busyness, Mm -hmm. like if you're thinking to yourself, I just, I need this thing and this thing and this thing, and then I can, Mm -hmm. I can do this. That is total bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you think that you need this thing and this thing and the other thing before you can be happy. Yep. I'm calling bullshit on that because yeah. that's not true at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? And, no. and That's going to leave you really yeah. unfulfilled and... That's right. And shocked. And then you'll be saddened by your shock. Yeah. Not just by the fact that, you're, that you haven't gotten the thing that you wanted. Right, right. So on the contentment side, I want to make it clear that, like, being content is important. Um, so is being motivated. Don't let your mm-hmm. contentment stop you from being motivated to be better, to progress, mm-hmm. to um, achieve more things. Um, it's not wrong to desire. Desire is a good thing in most cases. I guess it depends mm-hmm. on what you desire. But, but uh, I mean, <laughs> desire in itself is not evil. It is not wrong. Um, so some people feel... Like one way where if you're too content, that removes any reason to try. Right. That removes any reason to, you know, to go for it. Um, Well, this makes me think of grace, you know, the argument that some people have. That's right. What a, you know, what's the point of me doing anything if my sins have been paid for? Mm -hmm. Right. It's very parallel to the same idea. And that's true. The argument that I would make is, do you know what Jesus has done? If you believe it, if you really believe it, if you understand it to the extent that you do, it'll motivate you to do anything and everything for him because mm-hmm. nothing you ever could do could repay him. Yeah. But yet you understand what he's done, the sacrifices uh, that have been made because he loves you. Mm-hmm. And that will turn you to a place of shock and all. And then secondly, to a place of motivating you to do everything you can to please him mm-hmm. and to love other people. Yeah. Everything. Nothing will stop you. Yeah. I, I kind of see it as like we can, there, there's there's an ending to everything, right? At some point, we're going to hit the end of this. We're either going to achieve what we set out to achieve or we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can either um, painstakingly, painstakingly survive that process of getting to the end or we can enjoy it <laughs> like mm-hmm. what sounds better to you <laughs> for me like uh i think i think we're always going to have to try we're always going to have to um work hard to to get what we want um and i can either just always wait for that next thing and be miserable until that next thing hits. And then I'll be temporarily satisfied, mm-hmm. temporarily happy. And then I'll realize, oh, well, that didn't hit the itch. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't it. Uh, I guess it, it must be this next thing. And I could just mm-hmm. live like that and be miserable. 
yep, and look back on life. life. I'll look back on life and be like, man, I'd never really lived. I never truly yeah. enjoyed any part of life. Um, mm-hmm. Or I can just make a decision right now, like, hey, I can enjoy this. Like, this yeah. is <laughs> like, I've got a lot. I've got a lot. Yeah. A lot to be thankful for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in uh, that alone will help me feel joyful mm-hmm. you know that's really good i think i think that's a great way to end this um it's it's a conversation that is ongoing yeah. we need to keep having and we'll continue to learn more and more about i mean we'll look back at this a year from now and have a, a whole lot more to say about <laughs> it new perspective i'm sure yeah. new experiences <laughs> that's right that's right but as you said earlier to your point this is something that is based on our experience mm-hmm. on the way that our lives have um taken form Yep. You know, and, and we're learning from that and we're speaking from that, you know, from that experience. Right. So that was good really stuff. good, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for a great conversation. Thank, thank you, you all for listening. Uh, yeah. Thank you most of all to the Inner Circle for supporting us mm-hmm. and continuing to just uh, encourage us and actually motivate us to yeah. continue doing this podcast. We That's really right. appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and if you're interested, we we throw out the name Inner Circle a lot, and I know many of you um, might not have heard uh, some of our earlier episodes. The Inner Circle, for those of you that don't know, is uh, a community around this podcast. Um, they support us uh, in many ways um, financially. Um, they come up with uh, with topic ideas and questions for our guests, and um, they also kind of continue the conversation uh, post podcast and they are just such a tight knit community of people. Um, really great people. Um, we just got to meet a lot of them at uh, Christmas Burns Red, which was such a pleasure. And, um, yeah, if you're interested in, in getting involved in supporting the podcast and being part of, um, uh, just a killer community, uh, you can check out patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Notes. And there's a number of different levels of support, um, but every single one of them gets you into our community group, which in my opinion is the best part of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some other uh, cool perks and incentives, and um, and it helps us uh, keep doing this. So um, if it's for you, awesome. We appreciate it. If it's not, no worries. We're going to keep uh, plugging away and doing these things because um, it's not about the money or any of that. It's about... Um, having these powerful conversations that I think um, need to be had mm-hmm. and um, and heard. And uh, and I benefit from them. I'm going to walk away from this conversation and be thinking about it for the rest of the week. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, that's but, awesome. But thank you to everyone listening. We really do uh, appreciate all of you. And um, if you have any thoughts or, or comments or questions, hit us up through email, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com or... Uh, you can uh, reach out through social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And um, in fact, this topic, or the drum topic, came thanks to uh, Greg. So shout out to uh, Greg Heaney. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry about uh, mispronouncing your name earlier. Was not my fault. <laughs> I was con. Oh, I'm still laughing. <laughs> so good. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Tim. It's been fun. Thanks, Matt. And thank you all for listening. Yes. Peace.